This episode of Probably Science is brought to you by Wondrium. For a limited time, you can sign up and get a free month of unlimited access to their entire library if you go to wondrium.com slash probably. That's W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M dot com slash probably. Probably Science. Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I'm Andy Wood. Hey, I'm I'm Jesse Case. Hey, yeah. Jesse, back on the show. show well, I just I, I didn't wait to be introduced. I just I slipped into the old shoes there. You yeah. don't need to. You don't need to be introduced. You you you're you're a co-host on this one. Okay, sick. Uh, but we do need to introduce a guest, a returning guest. But it's been a while. We we had this guest on last for a very fun live episode at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival. And the excellent comedian, writer, person in all manner of things, Caitlin Gill. Hey, Caitlin. That's me. Hi. It's me, Caitlin. Caitlin Gill. Yes. (laughs) Caitlin Gill. (laughs) Fellow fellow, uh, desert uh, denizen. Indeed, a desert dweller. I have moved out to the the sand and the the winds. It's beautiful. I don't don't want to uh, be grandiose here, but I... I may be the Joe Rogan of Joshua Tree. You come out here. Jason Momoa's come out here. Everybody's following my lead. They get all the gang. The all the old gang are reuniting. Head of podcasting and Aquaman. Yep. You three were no always hanging out. No other reason to start seeking out lower population densities that I can think of. No None. other reason. No at other all. reason but yeah. the press. I know why I'm here. Thank you. I'm glad you admitted it. I mean, Joshua trees are one thing, but there's only one wood. It's Andy Wood. Joshua trees, first of all, not even trees. Fun science fact, right? So I didn't right. know that. They're weird succulents, aren't they? They are. They are in the yucca family. They're not actual trees. Yeah. Oh, okay. You, they, it's uh, yes, apparent when you get up close to them. They are not tree-like. Hey, in hey, anything don't yucca my yum, Andy. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I have I've been never... up close to Joshua trees and still didn't realize that they weren't a tree. I've never been They're out just... there. I got to go out there. You, you do. do. It's with I've the, never been the... to Joshua Tree. Well worth the drive, despite the fact that it's on the 10. Um, it's, yeah, it's magic. Andy knows, but I still got that that new kid's eyes, that the, yeah, the glow. The new I'm desert smell is worn it. off of my place. I'm and, getting a little stir crazy. But. Andy also, I, I think that. I should mention that when we were up, we were trying to work out who, who might be around and who we could get and who the comedians are that we haven't had for a bit who could be on the show. And um, and Andy went, oh, what about Caitlin? She, she's moved near me. As if yes. that somehow as makes it easier for you I to remotely, right, right. <laughs> to remotely record a podcast. Somehow, I point. mean, there's no time zone consideration when you're 15 minutes down the road. That is nice, but yeah, that that's yeah. I am out in the in the wild. My coyotes are the they're not mine, but coyotes are our closest neighbors. Uh, we see them all the time. They're actual roadrunners. I have yet to see the two at the same time, but I am convinced that it will happen. Um, yeah, I just saw my first coyote running across a road. Yes, oh yeah, but I've seen lots they, of roadrunners running across roads. That's all they do, right? Well, yeah, they a, really it's do. It's a great that. name for an animal. Yeah, that's they nailed it on it's, that. I've only I've seen probably thirty since I moved here. I've only seen one who wasn't running across a road. It's the only time you see a roadrunner. I don't know how that happens. Like no other animal. When was the so roadrunner named? named? It's it's there aren't many animal names after human inventions. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm sure um, it has some other name, probably several, but uh, it, you, I mean, it's doing a thing other birds don't. You might see a crow on a road, but the crow's not running, and crow has other business, and it's going to move out of the way of your car. The roadrunner is like, it just it just does that, although it does do it in our yard. We have some, oh, so like, what, 
And we're around. talking about when we are talking about human inventions. I mean, the road is. It's one of the earlier inventions. Absolutely. It's I'd one say of it the might even predate point. the wheel. I'm... Hmm. Yeah, I think the road Can humans be credited the with the road? I mean, animals have been making beaten paths forever. Does that count? Well, you we just call them stole paths. The idea. Those are, no, those are Obviously, we sort of stole the idea, but I, I do think the Roadrunner... I mean, are there other animals that are named... You know, there's no, like, a, the whisk huh. bird or something. You got the Segway squirrel. Of course. <laughs> Obviously, the Segway squirrel. I feel like okay. there is one, and your emails are going to fill up with it. That's the kind of thing that's like rattling in the. Like, my brain is having a delightful time not oh, giving I guess me a, the answer. A, a, where I'm like, a, oh, yeah, a sperm swordfish. whale. But that's not, that's not it. Oh, swordfish. swordfish. There you go. Um, oh, yeah. Hammerhead shark. I guess yes. they're all over the place. Oh. We're just yeah, yeah. idiots. Um, <laughs> no, it's the. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. The fridge beaver. Um, yeah. Right. Hmm. I know for sure hmm. that people eventually get lazy about naming things. You don't try that hard after a while. There are things with cool exotic names. Flamingo, pelican. I mean, and I'm just naming birds here, but then you get sure. to places. And I'm not coming for you, Oregon, because I think this happens everywhere. But I did uh, go camping at a place called Fish Lake that was next to a place called Blue Lake. And, like, another lake was called Deer Lake in the same system of lakes. And, like, come on, you got to stop. It's not the first yeah. thing you see when you get here, lake. That's not how I mean, you got to try. There's of... somebody in town that's notable. Maybe you have. There's something. There's something else that you can try other than single adjective immediately observable lake. But <laughs> I, I, you're not going to want to hear how Big Bear Lake got named. Because, um, yeah, that's just I'm what guessing. People saw I, some big bears. A really little bear. The lake. Yeah. That's that's what did it. I, I mean, mean Australia, that... where we have many listeners, has the great sandy desert. Right. Yes. I'm <laughs> just saying it's a great Duncan, desert. Though. Come on now. <laughs> I'm, well, I mean, the great. I feel like the best Australian name for anything's the outback. Because it's like <laughs> it's just dependent on even like where a guy was in his house when he named right. it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, it's the outback. And, and <laughs> it's not it's the up front. That it's concept. The up front. I'm facing the other That's, way, mate. Yeah, he's you know, it hadn't occurred to me, but you're absolutely right. It is just like out back of my house, but somehow Australia and its natural wonders and terrors has so sealed the concept of what an outback is to me that like no other backyard cuts it. Well, yeah, they like, originally called the beach the out front, and then a guy realized <laughs> it's just how he built his house. Um, so, uh, of the helicopter. The, um, I don't know if you can hear that in the in the microphone no. at all, but there is some quite loud. Los Angeles's uh, bird life. It's the. Yep. Uh... That's what we have. You've got your roadrunners, but the roadrunners are actually two different species of fast-running ground cuckoos. I didn't know they're part of the cuckoo family. Cuckoos. And they it are known as chaparral birds or chaparral cocks. Matt, why didn't you mention this earlier during the discussion? If you knew all this, well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> had this info that you know and you really held out on us that's I just, crazy i just i just didn't want to break up the riff okay fair man that's so obscure um yeah i, I roadrunners uh, so th that that's broken into the larger and smaller right those two that you mentioned they, i feel like there have to be bigger ones the ones i've seen are, are dainty surprisingly are dainty the greater and the lesser roadrunner are the two different types Oh, I don't and think you'd want to call them lesser. They have beaks still, and they seem actually rather aggressive. So I wouldn't say can, that to their can, face. And they can get up to a fair fair lick as well. They have been, they've been clocked at up to twenty-seven miles an hour. 
That's 43 kilometers an hour. That's wow. The fastest metric human friends. speed. Awesome. Wow. Wow. So yeah, these new these new world ground cuckoos. Crazy. Um, <laughs> any any uh, Caitlin? Any encounters yes. with any venomous beings since you've been out here? Oh, of course. Yes. Um, I have learned in this era of medical science that one should be careful with their terminology. So I will clarify that I am not allergic to fire ants, but I am definitely sensitive. Like, there's no wailing ambulance heading my way if I encounter a fire ant, but I am going to be unusually miserable and uh, more miserable than the uh, than those lucky folk who do apparently have the right histamine balance in their system. But my yard is like just desert with a fence in it. And it's two acres. It's two acres. It's a lot of yard. And there are eight identifiable ant species that just like dominate one sector or another and seem to fight on their territorial edges or just mark off the yard at different times of day. It's kind of wild. There'd be no eradication, like, they're part of the ecosystem in such a, like, developed way that I don't think there's any way to disrupt it. But I'm pretty sure the ones I have to worry about are not the enormous black ants that live in the millions, not the red and black ants with the big black hineys that look like they would attack you en masse. No, it is the, they're like minuscule. You can barely see them moving around. There are these little tiny, almost clear red ants. And I'm pretty sure those are the ones that have gotten me twice. Once on the toe, which was, of course, very unpleasant um, because the swelling. Oh, my, the swelling. Uh, But the one that really got me is that like, I, okay, so I am a, I am a, a taller lady, uh, a rather ample lady. There is an area of my body which is perhaps not identifiable as like thigh, hip, or butt. Could be any one of the three, depending on the angle or what, like how mer- you look at it. It's like a merge zone. A merger sort of, a, of the area. It's where the yeah. three come together. Well, that sure. is the area an ant uh, found and stung me on. And I, say, I used to say ant bite until I learned what they do, which is grab you with their horrible front pinchers and then stab you with a stinger in their butt. They like swing oh, around to stab you in different places. Yeah, it's awful. Because mm. um, it definitely so always it me... sort of bumps me when someone tell, says like they got bitten by a bee. And you're like, you did yes, not get bitten right. by a bee. Yes, right. You did not. You did get a little bit bitten by an ant, but that's not why you have an itchy bump. It's because what happened after the bite is that it stabbed you with its ass. Uh, so... Sure. It got me a few times, and, like, because of that, what, the constitution of that area, there's just no nothing to stop the swelling. I, I looked like, for your, your listeners who are familiar, as I am perhaps overly familiar with the film A League of Their Own, I look like I took a slider and a skirt, for sure. It was just wow. this massive dinner plate of, like, terror with wow. a little tiny ants thing in the middle of it. Um, and it does get worse, like the more you get stung. So I am aware that I have to be like careful. But yes, I have had an encounter with one of the desert's tiniest venomous beings, and my reaction indicated that perhaps it's best that I not venture <laughs> to go touch stinging stuff in the desert. I shake out wow. my shoes every morning. Ants or yeah. scorpions. I'm not. I'm not. I'm taking no risks. I've had a few of those even get inside, and I, I mean, yes. I, I assume because I don't think are there is there more than one kind of ant that will bite. Is yeah, that, I feel like there's a couple sting, stinging probably. ants, and there's like those flying ones that do get inside. Also, have a stinging thing that they do, but none of them have gotten me. I don't know. I feel like all ants are more dangerous than you think. They all look like oh, I'm small, <laughs> but no, they're they're trying to kill you. Yeah, the ones that got in my kitchen one time, I just like leaned over the counter to clean them up and want a couple like yep. 
bit my abdomen. I, yeah. like, oh, I don't know the inside oh. ants ever, but I, I don't have a bad reaction. So it's like less than a mosquito bite, but you're still just right. like, oh, these, these fuckers. And then, you know, I, my, my usual go-to is to put out that liquid um, poison that they supposedly like bring back to their lair and then, yes. you know, suicide bomb the whole thing. Um, I was too but, weak-hearted. I put out apple cider vinegar and honestly, <laughs> they all went away. But I, you know, it, they're... It, it's awful. You, if you are sensitive to fire ants, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're not, just take care of your friends who are and clean up their ants because they shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this it's is the right environment for you out here. This might. Oh no, they're everywhere. I can't go anywhere in the whole southern belt of the country. Ants are everywhere, man. You can't. How are you with? Uh, There's nowhere you, with you can go. <laughs> I haven't found out yet, but they are aware of us to the point where they're like super blasé, like. Uh, there's mm. gaps between hey, all the fence houses well, right? out here. Yes, we do. And she's like a 13 pound snack. So we keep her uh, under watch. But yeah. we are fully fenced. And the only reason they're interested in our fenced area is that bunnies like to come in and out of our fence and nibble on the ample foliage, which means there's like a bunny channel, like yeah, narrow areas where bunnies have to go to get in and out. And I'm pretty sure the coyotes just wait. They have, like, no interest in anything that's not leaving the fence. There's a small buffet that, like, <laughs> but that, that crawls out at certain points. You, ha- you presumably have to look to make sure that channel is not big enough for a small dog to get underneath. I think you're uh, you're overestimating what it takes for a bunny to get through a space. I'm genuinely, it's close to just coming through the chain link. Is it really? Yeah, is it that tiny? Yes. If find, it's as big as yeah. their head, they're through. They do that thing like cats where they just smush their whole self, you know, where their like shoulders and hips fold. Yeah, they, they can, get all they flat. can disconnect. Yeah, yeah, they can disconnect their shoulders. Right. It's, it's um, floppy and weird. Yeah. So no, the dog like would have to. Like a lethal weapon. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly like a lethal weapon. <laughs> Got it. Okay, I'm on board now. I understand rabbits. And much like in that a... movie, I'm getting too old for their shit because they've eaten everything I've planted that doesn't have ample thorns. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, they're relentless. We, yeah, um, I want some coyotes terrible. out here to take care of them. They will. They will come. Um, once they find out you've got bunnies to eat your vegetables, you'll soon have less bunnies. I have a lot of respect for the apex predator, although I do think the prey is cuter. I understand coyotes need their, their dinner, so everything stays in balance. Yeah. Yeah. You know what is uh, bigger than, than we might have previously thought and can't fit through the same size gaps that it could have done, let's say, a year or so ago or even six months ago? What's that, mm-hmm. Matt? Mount Etna. Oh. What? What are you talking about? Mount Etna, according to this article that was emailed in by, oh, sorry, tweeted in, tweeted at us by Twitter follower at AlienDNA. A lot, um, lot of volcano news. There's yeah. been a fair amount of volcano lately, news, yeah. yeah. And um, Mount Etna. That's what we needed. <laughs> uh, according to this article on space.com, which we, we've covered stories from space.com before. That is the official website of space. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Mount Etna is 100 feet taller than it was six months ago. As the result, that's a of, lot. Yeah, that is tall. That is yeah, that's a lot of a lot of lot of extra heights because of of around 50 eruptions over the past half a year. So um, okay, then it's it's Europe's tallest and most active volcano, and the youngest and most active of its four summit craters, the southeastern crater is now the tallest part of the volcano, towering 11,013 feet above sea level, which is just over 3,000 3, meters, three and a third thousand meters, which is the tallest that's been recorded history, according to the National Institute for Geophysics and Volcanology. 
The sudden growth spurt is the result of about 50 eruptions at the southeastern crater since February 16th of 2021, which have led to a conspicuous, quote, a conspicuous transformation of the shape of the volcano, says this report. Scientists discovered the explosive growth while analyzing images taken by the Earth Imaging Pleiades satellites in July. The data have an uncertainty of about 10 feet. So it's still with, well within the order of uncertainty. Well, and the links to the original studies are fascinating. I mean, I always like it when space.com breaks it down or whatever. But did you guys know, Lietna si supera, nuevo record de alteza, Connie circa 50 episodi, para sotiquisi, chedol, 16 febrario, 2021, hano intercetario, le cratera de sudest dul volcano. Um, it's just crazy. This reading this, you know, it really uh, is. Did I pronounce any of that right? That'd be it's, incredible. I think you slipped into maybe like uh, old English for a little bit there. Or something. I know it was really bad. Um, I'm kind of getting it though. The, the, okay. The Baca Nuova, the Cratera de Nordest. It's Northeast. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Your volcano is bigger is basically what it's saying. It's yeah. bigger than it was saying. See, <laughs> it's, the southeastern crater is now taller than its quote big brother, which is the northeastern crater, which is the t- which oh, previously man. was the tallest peak. This is too much. Grow spurts, craters taller than its big brother. This is just a volcano going through its teenage years, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just okay. having its its little t- volcano puberty. It needs some support. It's going to be weird <laughs> and kind of stinky for a little while, but you know these are formative years for this volcano. I guess we could all agree that Fratello Maggiore, you know, um, I don't know what that means, but it's in quotation marks in bold on the original oh. study. So I assume it's... That's got to uh, be important. It sounds important. So after the northeastern crater erupted in 1980 and 81, it reached a maximum height of 10,990 feet. But that height decreased over the years as the crater's edges collapsed. And as of the summer of 2018, the northeastern crater measured 10,912. It's, it's interesting. It's like if you move in to the base of a mountain, like if you have a house, a lovely house at the base of a mountain, I think you don't assume like you're like, it'll probably stay the same looking, you know, but like 100 feet. I mean, that's got to at least screw up somebody's like son that comes into their kitchen you know, yeah. like v- various people in this town have got to be actually kind of annoyed at the growth or love it. That and like the raining ash that's sure, falling on your house constantly. Seeping yeah, I was going to say, if you built on the base of a volcano, I would say losing your view as a result of volcanic activity is a pretty good lucky break, honestly. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's I just, no I mean, homeowner's insurance claim for that. But I mean, nonetheless, you get it's the benefit of not being incinerated, I assume, by a mountainous wall of flowing volcanic rock. But I honestly don't know. None of the mountains around here move that much. I'm very well, curious. It, oh, go ahead. No, I just mean it's like we're always just discovering that everything's a volcano. You know? <laughs> like, every, like it's like a, they'll be like, oh, I guess it turns out that was a volcano when a mountain just explodes. I mean, are, are they? <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like Yellowstone. Like the, and then they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's just a bunch of volcanoes, I guess. The neighboring um, mountains are like, well, he was kind of a loner. He knew something was weird. I don't know. <laughs> he, just, no, he kept to himself. Kind of lurky. Yeah, we had our suspicions, but didn't know. He was to spewing call. sulfurous fumes. I, uh, yeah, I just, am a, Sorry, go ahead. 
No, no, you go ahead. I was, well, I wish that this, I already know in my heart that this is a confession that I shouldn't even make, but I'm a rabid consumer of terrible movies. And one of my favorites to rewatch over and over again is the Tommy Lee Jones classic Volcano, wherein a volcano just happens to live under Los Angeles and interrupt. Yeah. I had an apartment off Wilshire, so it was right down the street from like the primary exploding scenes in Volcano. And though I've lived in San Francisco, which is another city often centered in... I just watched San Andreas today. Uh, Listen to. I watch a lot of movies with my phone in my pocket. I feel like filmmakers would be terrified. (laughs) But (laughs) I mean, I've seen a lot of cities I've lived in get exploded in movies, but never have had such a localized disaster film experience as watching uh, a volcano. Um, So you are right. I I have believed the fiction that volcanoes could just appear anywhere, um, sort of in hope that I might get to live the fantasy of being in volcano. And that's not true. It looks like a terrible movie to be a part of. That movie is, I mean, I'm, I'm biased because, uh, well, I guess not biased, but I've, I've delved into this on another podcast I do called Twinsies, where TJ Chambers and I look at twin movies. So oh, yes. we did the deeper Dante's by, Peak. Or Dante's Peak. Dante, Dante's yeah. Peak, yeah. Dante's Peak another being, classic I enjoy, the P- Pierce Brosnan, Linda, yeah. Linda Hamilton vehicle. Easy for me to say. Now, it's because I get so tongue-tied when Linda now, and Pierce are on the screen. Come on, that's pink and blue lighting, baby. That is bisexual <laughs> action. Now, who is it? It's, uh, is it Anne Hesch in Volcano? Mm-hmm. I think so. Also, yes. pink and blue lighting. Anne Hesh in yeah. Volcano with her uh, her sidekick. Um, I oh, won't yeah. tell you what happens to her, but it's an action movie and it's an ancillary character. So you do you can guess. Oh. Um, it's not as good yeah, as, uh-huh. as the character actor who steps off the subway and into the lava to save somebody, and then just slowly oh, burns to the and ground feel- while going ow. <laughs> A compliment to his talent as a character actor. I forget that guy's name, but he's brilliant and he can be so sweet. He's the husband in Fargo. Um, he's, he, uh, yeah, he's yeah, he's the, he got the three cent, um, Oh, the three cent duck, duck yeah, stamp. That's, if I'm correct, that is the actor in Volcano that steps into the lava inside the subway, uh, in a, one of the better dramatic, dramatic moments. Of a well, film the lava a of- in, what people don't realize about the lava in Los Angeles is it, <laughs> it respects subway and sewer lines. Yes. It does not. And it's just no- looking for an agent. Honestly, it's just trying to get seen. <laughs> if you can tell it where to go. It It doesn't melt through things until it's above ground. Underground, it follows the sewer. (laughs) Selectively damaging. It's true. Yeah. yeah. A building can stop it except for all the other buildings it's melted through. Um, Yeah. That's the the solution to all the problems in Volcano is to blow more stuff up. That's the, uh, it seems to be the math that works in the film. And when the volcano sprays people in the head with lava, it can say, I got new faces. It can, can. yeah, Uh, absolutely. I'm going to Montreal, and then it just spurts lava. Sure, a number of volcanoes. This is new. This is new. So many volcanoes just got off the bus, hoping to make it, and then just arrived in LA with with nothing, nothing but thousand degree heat. Yep, just a. I mean, you arrive with a lot of heat, but it doesn't last. It's so true. You flame out faster than you think, and then you're just a rock on the pavement people step over. But, you know, I moved to the desert. I'm fine. What? Did I make this about me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just going to sip this wine. By the way, uh, I just looked down and realized the cricket has found his way underneath my feet somehow uh, indoors. Mel Ma- oh, Etna, by the way. Oh, so we might, this podcast might start to sound like all of our jokes are bombing. Uh, uh, that hurts. <laughs> oh. My heart. Mel. So Mount Etna, can you can you make the cricket sound right there? Can you just edit it in? Edit it in. Oh, um, Mount Etna is thought to have started as. By the way, this took me two two glances at this phrase. Started as a submarine volcano 
which clearly just means started underground, whereas in my right. head at first I was like thinking the shape of a submarine. Right. Uh, oh, but just under the sea, right? Just under the sea. It started under okay. the sea and it slowly grew above sea level as it erupted time and time again, gradually increasing its height with solidified lava. It is now largely covered with historic lava flows from eruptions that happened up to 300,000 years ago. And then it says to get a digital 3D view of Etna's summit, go here. So there's like a link at the bottom of this. We, we will always um, link to the stories we cover in the show notes. So you can go to both the original Italian paper that Jesse was perfectly flawlessly reading. And you could also look at this 3D. Um, Caitlin as well, we put it it's in the uh, comments section in the on the site. Oh, yes. So Thank you, you. Click there. But this is pretty cool. There's a 3D. There's just a camera. I don't know whether it's when this photo was taken. A little panoramic. You can zoom around. It's greener than I was expecting. Hmm. Oh, yeah. You checked out the Edna cam? Yeah, Edna cam. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. Yeah. OnlyFans only is shutting that down next month. I don't know if you guys heard about that. But. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a hidden cam for a long time, and then people got hip to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it blows my mind that, you know, like volcanoes erupt so rarely until they, until they do. And you have a year of like crazy eruptions that like entire civilizations were built at the base of volcanoes without knowing it. And then you just realize it's a volcano. That's like terrifying to me. I feel like we should be almost like figuring out like what's cake you know, when that was like a popular thing on Twitter, like, is this really cake? <laughs> Every mountain should be tested to see if it's a volcano. <laughs> Wait, you know what I mean? What's the, is this I'm cake pretty thing sure on? they do now have, like, I, I, I could be wrong, but we might have to get our volcano expert back on, on the show again, Jess Phoenix, but, um, great I'm name for a volcano expert, isn't it? Yeah. But we, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure they now, like, they know what kind of mountains each mountain is. Okay, good. They, it seems they, like that's, they know that's something we should... know volcanoes are kind of um, dormant or... Right. Uh, well, I would assume. It just seems important to not forget to do that. Like, remember to do that, probably, before we build a society. There's all, all sorts of giant cities are built in horrible areas because something would only happen every thousand years. And then you realize, you know? I think of, like... I don't know. Like, L.A. is probably a like... bad idea. Yes. <laughs> Well, everywhere right on the ocean is kind of a bad idea. It's like harsh weather. Like, I get it, we all love the beach, but realistically, that's kind of about commerce as much as it is anything else. Like, it's just how we could get stuff. I suppose before commerce, right. it was yeah. just about exchange, but like, it, there's always, we it, like end up in some weird sort of perilous places out of like necessity with this risk that sort of exists in the long term, but like, if that volcano is on a route that gets you to other stuff you need, you just have people living under it. Like, well, you know, I hope it doesn't blow up. I mean, that's whatever I'm walking for. I'm it's sure just it's weird. We settle all... in hard, dangerous places for weird reasons. Uh, many of them necessity I, I based. Automatically, yeah, I don't think it's always true that being on the water is inherently more dangerous. In some cases, it's probably a lot less. Like the temperature, the the climate is usually just a lot more moderate in general. And I mean, of course, yes, the convenience of of transporting goods is how it happened in the first place but like right. yeah it's it's less extreme to be in los angeles than to be say in joshua tree weather wise like <laughs> i don't think la no, is at, in a bigger risk absolutely like, they're high enough above sea level that la is not going to be underwater unless something truly world-ending happens 
But I mean, like in let's say in 500 years, when a, a Richter scale 8.5 earthquake happens, people are going to be like, why'd they build a city there? <laughs> and it's like, well, they, they took that risk for a thousand years or what? I mean, that well, that's not how math works. But, you know, right. for 300 years, they they just did it before they knew what fault lines were. And now you have a giant city. You have to keep going. I don't know. Even knowing that, I don't think there's a, it still it makes sense to have L.A. where it is. I, I don't know. It just. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it water. not even have its own freshwater? Yeah, no, LA doesn't make any sense. We have lots of cities that don't make any sense. uh, And lots of reasons to develop them. But LA is, I'm pretty sure it's on that list of like, sure, the weather's nice, but that many people in that specific area is only sustainable by weird means, like that deplete other areas. We can own that about LA. Like, (laughs) it's it's unlikely construction. Yeah. But I but, why there is a city there? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. That particular city and the way that it's grown uh and exists is a bit uh unsustainable perhaps. I I, uh, yeah. I guess all I'm saying is I think when a lot of major cities were founded if they had the geological info at the time, they would have chosen a different location. Yeah, you guess, know. But what other port city could you have I mean still the importance of a port uh, supersedes the possibility of a future earthquake so where else would you have suggested besides san francisco for a port city on the coast of california i i mean even just like further down the baja peninsula or something would be i mean i don't know that's why i'm not in charge of any of those things but there are tons of port cities they're just not los angeles like i mean long beach is the port we're talking about and that's technically not los angeles i'm pretty sure they would like us to note but it's a right is though come on you know i know but they did they like to think um, but <laughs> angry emails from Long Beach listeners. But yeah, I mean, there are trade-offs, I suppose. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I wonder if um, I'm sure scientists are pulling out their hair about where we develop all the time. Um, it's hard to I, say I that guess, we'd listen. Uh, I just, I guess, I just mean in relation to the Mount Etna story. Nobody would have built Pompeii sure. where they built Pompeii. Right. Good yes. Point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they just wouldn't have. They, they, they did not know. They're like, look at that mountain. You know, I mean, is that definitely true that there was no inkling that that was a dormant volcano? I don't know what the science knowledge of the day was. I don't know why I'm asking you guys either. I think at first, probably not. And then they noticed, oh, that's a volcano. And but then you already have a massive city like then you're not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, like so when Los Angeles was first built and they're building it, they're building ports, they're building docks, they're doing it all. There probably wasn't an earthquake for like 50 years. And then they're like, well, we built all this shit, you know? I mean, and that's, I get it. I just, I don't know. Um, Vesuvius had been dormant for hundreds of years. Uh, when, to, the, when they started to build Pompeii? Yeah, eruptions. Um, wow, well, they really, they can work out some pretty detailed information, but this is according to the Wikipedia page for Vesuvius, that's just what I'm reading. But they've got, dating back to 25,000 years ago, Vesuvius started forming, uh, and then it changed the style of eruption around 19,000 years ago. So, uh, yeah, and they've got all these different eruptions dated. There was one mm. um, 18,300 18, years ago, then 16,000, then 8,000, then 3,800, and then... Uh, till. So, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to work out when the actual one was that 
Would that be the 3,800? No, because no, no, Pompeii no. was, it was uh, like 37 BC. Oh, okay. Sorry, 70, no, I'm getting dates right. It was 79 AD. So it was less than 2,000 years ago was when Vesuvius erupted that wiped out Pompeii. So there were perhaps maybe legends about it or something. I mean, yeah. is that is that weird to assume? So it, here's this whole paragraph. It says around 3,800 years ago, the Avellino eruption, uh, its vent was apparently was approximately was apparently two kilometers west of the current crater, and the eruption, Hell of a vent. And the eruption destroyed several Bronze Age settlements of the uh, Apennine cult- culture. Several carbon dates on wooden bones offer a range of possible dates of around 500 years in the mid in the mid second millennium bc in may 2001 italian archaeologists using the technique of filling every cavity with plaster or substitute compound recovered some remarkably well-preserved forms of perishable objects such as fence rails a bucket and especially in the vicinity thousands of human footprints pouring into the apennines to the north hmm. the, the settlement had huts pots and goats the residents had hastily hastily abandoned the village leaving it to be buried under you pronounce it pumice? It is pronounced pumice, pumice right? Pumice, yeah. And ash, in much the same way that Pompeii and Herculaneum were later preserved. Pyroclastic surge deposits were distributed to the northwest of the vent, traveling as far as 15 kilometers from it, and lie up to three meters deep in the area now occupied by Naples. The volcano wow. then entered a stage of more frequent but less violent eruptions until the most recent Plinian eruption, which destroyed Pompeii and Herculaneum. So it sounds like from this... That they did know it was a volcano, right. but didn't know that it was the kind of volcano that was going to completely obliterate their city. Hmm. But it is where you grow good food. It's another one of those like risk assessments where like that That's thing that point. blows up every once in a while is also the place where you can eat. So you know how many once point. every five six generations exactly we'll get some lush soil and uh, yeah. I mean, I only I, I do think that by the sea is better living. I'm just a Scot, and I, island people just it, it, I have such a weather beaten sense of my own genetic identity that I'm like, man, you know, so many the diaspora Scottish <laughs> Scottish people, so many left to go like anywhere else that it was warm. So many Scots in South America just happy to be somewhere humid. Um, <laughs> I uh, associate that sea life with a more grizzled sense of existence but also your your genetic makeups like never encountered a fire ant oh yeah absolutely it's no surprise perhaps that i i am a weak human when it comes to the desert ant as no one in my bloodline would have ever built any kind of immunity i don't know what kind of bugs bite you in in the the home of my people but uh it is clearly not the type i encounter here (laughs) Um, so okay here we go though it so so the, the last of these more frequent eruptions may have been in 217 BC. So we're still talking a good 250, like almost like two and a half to three centuries earlier. There were earthquakes in Italy during that year, and the sun was reported as being dimmed by gray haze or dry fog. Plutarch wrote of the sky being on fire near Naples, and Silius Italicus mentioned it in his epic poem Punica that Vesuvius had thundered and produced flames worthy of Mount Etna in that year, although both authors were writing around 250 years later. That is epic. So it is pretty epic. And then the volcano was quiet for 295 years, if the two, if the 27, 217 BC date is accurate, and was described by Roman writers as having been covered with gardens and vineyards except at the top, which was craggy. The volcano may have only had one summit at the time, judging by a painting found in a Pompeian house. 
And then mm. there were there were various reports of it possibly having a volcanic nature. So people were writing about it. Um, the Greek historian Strabo described the mountain as having a predominantly flat, barren summit, uh, summit covered with sooty, ash-colored rocks, and suggested it might have once had craters of fire. And Vitruvius wrote that fires had once existed abundantly below the peak and had spouted fire onto the surrounding fields. And mm-hmm. he went on to describe the Pompeian pumice as having been burnt from another species of stone. And then another Greek writer wrote that it was called, the Campion Plain was called Fiery, uh, Phlegrian, that's the Greek for it, because of the peak Vesuvius, which has spouted flames like Etna and showed signs of the fire that had burnt in ancient history. So, okay, there were, there were, there were myths and legends right, and stories right. and historical and older historical reports of fire coming out of the mountain. And then it actually happened. And you know that most people thought those are just myths and legends. It makes me wonder, like, when, when our town is, you know, just get taken down by a Bigfoot, a massive Bigfoot, <laughs> yeah. just destroying town. You were like, warned. You should have listened. You should have listened. They knew, you know. Do you think that Bigfoot will spare believers? <laughs> uh, surely. Surely. Cool. Okay, then I'm, the I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, do you know where else you can learn some more about Vesuvius and volcanoes in general? Oh, hey, God. where's that, Andy? Is there some kind of online, I don't know, sort of collection of many videos carefully curated to cover just about anything anyone might want to see or watch or learn about? You better believe it. It's Wondrium.com. If you're a frequent listener, you know that we have been sponsored with them for a long time, and they have thousands of hours of great programming on tons of subjects. I just typed in Volcano. I found a program called Vesuvius in the first Pompeii that talks about archaeologists who found that from the eruption 1,800 years before the Vesuvius one we think of, it had the same devastating results. They found a Bronze Age village that was buried in ash. Uh, There's another series called Mega Disaster that's a four-parter that has episodes on volcanoes, tsunamis, tornadoes, and earthquakes. So if you want to Go down a disaster rabbit hole and see what might happen if anything's, any of these things strike near you. You can go to wondrium.com slash probably, that's W-O-N-D-I, I'm sorry, W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M dot com slash probably. And for a full month, you could go just look up all the volcano stuff you want. Spend a month deep diving into that or any number of other subjects. Uh, as you've heard us talk about, they have courses on just about anything. You want to learn an instrument, you want to learn about wine, Roman history, uh, you name a, it. A fourth thing that is knowledge. <laughs> Why can't I pull anything else? That <laughs> you can I even learn, learn about? about knowledge. I believe they have videos on that. The the knowledge of knowledge. Yeah, how how we know <laughs> things that we know. Uh, it's a great service, and now that they've partnered with other services, including, I believe the let's see, the Mega Disaster series is from Magellan TV, which is one of the. Um, other streaming services that have all formed together with formerly the Great Courses Plus to form what is now Wondrium. So it's just, just like tons a, a of mega, a, me, a mega depository of any kind of video that you might want to watch. Yep. On any kind of topic. That Stop. is, once again, a free trial that you can get if you sign up through us. A free trial if you go to wondrium.com slash probably. That is W O N D R I U M dot com slash probably. Hey, um,. Well, what we're talking about disasters, uh, uh, this story sent in by listener Sarah Morgan of London. I've heard of Sarah Morgan. <sighs> Maybe it's a different one. It's <laughs> not. She texted it. <laughs> but 9,000 COVID cases linked to the Euro 2020 tournament in, in oh. mass, as part of the mass event scheme. More than 9,000 COVID event, uh, infections were linked to this. 
that from the games that were monitored for the government's mass events test scheme, and scientists said the tournament generated a significant risk to public health. An analysis of the third and final stage of the research program, which was released on Friday, found that more than 85% of all of the infections connected to the 49 days of various outdoor sports, music, and entertainment events came from the eight Euros games involved, and mainly the semi-final and the final. Well, isn't... I mean, in, in it, the event's defense... I, I every football tournament is a major public health crisis in in England. <laughs> yeah, like just mayhem. You know, it's some of my favorite footage ever. Is is uh, hmm. So that how'd they figure this out? Uh, I'm not entirely sure how they. Well, they they have. So what what one of the things they do is it Britain does now after a very long time of them not getting their shit together, and they still haven't really got their shit together. But they um. They do have an app which can track people and track the contacts that people have had. Right. So they can use that to, and, and then they, they can coordinate that with people who have tested positive. And, and so that might be one of the things that they were doing. They said, such were the disparities of COVID infections between Euros crowds and those who attended Wimbledon, another test event. The government scientists have raised the idea of football fans being allowed to take drinks to their seats, as happens at the tennis championships, to avoid dense crowds gathering around bars. I didn't but know you, you weren't allowed to take a drink to your seats. Surely of these 9,500 people, though, a very small percentage of them were symptomatic, right, Matt? Um, I, su- I suspect not from the way you just asked that question and are clearly writing ahead on the, uh, on the article. So um, Don't give away our podcast secrets. Why are you giving <laughs> away the podcast secrets? People- <laughs> no, it's about a third of people reported symptoms within two days of the game, um, indicating that they were likely to have been infectious at the time of the match. Uh, ministers argue that across all three stages of the test program, which also covered indoor venues, uh, case numbers were largely similar to or below the general infection rates for the time, meaning mass events Wait. can take place safely. Wait, I'm sorry. So it was less. It, so on a per, you know, per thousand people basis, it was less S- similar to what was happening in Europe just at just the time. In or in, in, oh, well, then yeah. why are we reporting on? Ugh, I hate the news so much. I can't <laughs> This is like Sturgis. The Sturgis story that they said, oh, this is a super spreader event. I looked up the stats on, on South Dakota. They have a seven-day moving average of one daily death, and the case rate barely ticked upwards. And they were like, oh, these hicks on their motorcycles, like trying to pit us against red staters when nothing actually happened because they were outside, which is inherently orders of magnitude safer. Well, so, so in this Ugh. case, the football the football did have significantly more transmission than than Wimbledon, which is an interesting that, question. Yeah, that's what they compared it to. And also those those 3,000 or those 9,000 cases, each of them then can will then meet other people that pass it on to their families sure. and stuff like that. In a related but segueing note, because uh, we all agree on this podcast that getting vaccinated is very, very important as soon as you can, uh, if you haven't already. What do we think of the new Pfizer name? Oh, my God. Comernity? Comer- what is it? Com- it's- Hang on. I missed I miss this. So the <laughs> FDA approved. They gave full approval, right? So now doctors can prescribe um, instead of just you go down there and get it. And they named it. And the name sounds like comorbidity. It's a really bad name for a vaccine. Yeah. What is it? Comernady, C O M E R N A T Y. Yeah, something. They need to give it a name that it, it's not going to encourage. What would you name it to encourage the people that are not vaccinated to get vaccinated? I like mean, some sort insert, of Skinner Skinner right, reference? Insert any like southern a, joke? Right. Yeah, Monster <laughs> Energy vaccine. I think is a good. There start. you go. 
There you go. Um, okay, guys, hear me out. Hear me yes. out. Boobs. Um, <laughs> did you not hear what happened? Honestly, to I probably would have gotten it, but that is that. why I got the Moderna. I figured the Moderna mux vaccine was supposed to be named boobs. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's already been taken. I was going to find. Mm. Very jealous of people that got Moderna. Very jealous. Wait, was I, uh, Moderna the one shot? Oh, it's Jane. No, no, no. Moderna just has it has better efficacy stats, better long term efficacy stats right now. So it it's like because my my second dose was January eighth. So pretty soon I'm like, you know, I'm I'm gonna be down there like first day for that booster, uh, oh, yeah. on the twentieth. But but it's like I'm gonna be over my eight months. You know, like the math. I mean, it's not like a magic number anyway. Eight you know? months. Wait, how did you get? Oh, because you were already compromised. So or is that why you got yours so early? Uh, no, it's because I was around uh, COVID patients in an ICU all day. Oh. Um, what with the working at the hospital. Right. And um, it's, uh, you know, you got to go down there and handle a bunch of COVID specimens and stuff. So I, I got vaccinated. I got vaccinated the same day as Mike Pence. It was weird. Uh. I got vaccinated <laughs> like an hour before him. And I felt so badass. And, uh, but now it's like, you're kind of like a sitting duck. I mean, not really. It's still very, very effective, but it feels weird, you know? Um, sorry, there's a train going by. So I, yeah, I got to get down there and get <laughs> boosted. And helicopters. Community, by the way, is meant to sound a bit like the word community. Oh my God. <laughs> uh. It does like, I guess, kind of like if you're in the middle of eating when you try and say it. Oh, is this like Tyler Perry's Medea saying the word community? Or <laughs> this is commer- this is, uh, yeah. It's a bad name. They had they had like a year to think of the name, and it's a bad name. It's, it's supposedly know, a combination of COVID, mRNA, and immunity. Oh, it's got mRNA right in there. Yeah. Well, so does Moderna. Moderna. Moderna is like a great name for a company. Oh, but, it really does um, sound like a vaccine. Moderna. Yeah, Moderna is M and then RNA. And in fact, its stock exchange is just mRNA. Is it no, it's stock not. symbol. Is it really? Yeah, it is. Yep. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, because it's like modern, and then it's an ode to mRNA. It's it's just it's a great piece of naming work. Say what you will about what they do. Great name. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I don't know what they're going to call theirs because it's, I don't know. Yeah. I, I hope it's a cooler name. That's all I can say. What's the, uh, the joke going around about the... Um uh, the thing that um, Greedo says, is it McClunky? Uh, Greedo's the one that didn't shoot first. Greedo's the Star Wars green. Yeah, and I think in some version recently they had they had him saying a word. McClunky just went viral at some point in the last year or two, and it had to do with Star Wars, and that's about all I know. Oh, I yeah, I no idea. Yeah, no Greedo, idea. Greedo says McClunky in the Mos Eisley Cantina, um, and that hmm. that was a thing people went crazy for some time. Oh, in the Disney Plus edit of Star Wars, they had him say McClunky. And maybe that's an insult, and that's why Han shot him. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Well, guys, as you can see from this podcast, human beings, we're complex creatures. We're not always <laughs> the best at working together, but some species are. You know what I mean? Would those be Man, ants? They would. Did you yeah. know that ant colonies can descend several meters underground, house millions of insects, and last for decades, despite being I made without the benefit? I know that. I know that intimately inti- well. Intimately, yes. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, why did I why, why did I just link? At no point yeah, did we, it real did it occur to me that we were talking about ants for twenty minutes at the beginning of this episode. Right, it's yeah, a good. She was we're, just, tagging, we're we're closing the loop. It's a callback. Yeah. 
I mean, sorry, yeah, of course, this was just very neatly just bringing things back around to the beginning, to the beginning, because yeah. I'm uh, yeah, we a meant we we meant to do all of this, um, and but, guys, check this out, right? These things they go several meters underground. We're talking ant colonies here. They house millions of insects. They last for decades, and these are made without the benefit of machinery and reinforcing material. I know you thought they were down there with little drills and beams and whatnot, but they're not, turns out. Uh, the secrets of these impressive architectural structures are being revealed by three-dimensional X-ray imaging and computer simulations and could be used to develop robotic mining machines. Yeah, apparently these no, ants are using soil physics. No, more physics. good robots. <laughs> Stop making smart robots. <laughs> Stop it. Finally, we can harness the, the physics of the ants. So, yeah, Jose Andrade at the California Institute of Technology and his colleagues, this is in this new scientist story, set up miniature ant colonies in a container holding 50, 500 milliliters of soil and 15 western harvest ants. The position of every ant and every grain of soil was then captured by high-resolution x-ray scans every minute for tw every 10 minutes for 20 hours. The x-ray results gave researchers exact details about the shape of each tunnel and which grains were being removed to create it, and also told them which of the ants had weapons. Mm. The team then created a computer all model. All of them. Yeah, they all had weapons. They using these scans to understand the forces acting upon the tunnels. The size, shape, and orientation of every grain was recreated in the model, and the direction and size of force on each grain could be calculated, including gravity, friction, and cohesion caused by humidity. It was accurate to the 0 0.07 millimeter resolution of the scanner. The results suggest that forces within the soil tend to wrap around the tunnel, ac tunnel axis as ants uh, excavate, forming what the team call arches in the soil that have a greater diameter than the tunnel itself. This reduces the load acting on the soil particles within the arches where the ants are constructing their tunnel. As a result, the ants can easily remove these particles to extend the tunnel without causing cave-ins. The arches also made the tunnel stronger and more durable. And, oh, man. Yeah, Andrade said, We had naively thought the ants were perhaps playing Jenga, that they were tapping, maybe they were wriggling grains, maybe they were even just grabbing the grains of least resistance. But he says it's now clear that the ants appear to know nothing about forces, stupid ants, and show no, no signs of decision-making, but instead follow a very simple behavioral algorithm that has evolved over time. They tend to dig relatively straight tunnels that descend at the angle of repose, which is the slope at which a granular material naturally forms mounds, which is around 40 degrees in this case. They also Duh. Pick, yeah, they also pick exactly the right grains <laughs> to remove to create a protective arch above. In a remarkable way, in a rather, you know, serendipitous way, They've stumbled upon a technique for digging that is in line with the laws of physics, but incredibly efficient, says Andrade. The, the team believes that if the behavioral algorithm could be further analyzed and ultimately replicated, that it may find application in automatic mining robots either here on Earth or on other planetary bodies where the already risky business of mining would be even more dangerous for humans. Mm. Do I they have... They gotta have cave-ins, though, right? Uh, yeah, I'm like sure they got... have the occasional cave-in. But still, it's good to know, like... Like, for example, now we know that uh, a plucky team of miners that were, could be deployed, you know, if there were, say, like, some kind of, you know, celestial body heading for Earth at speed, uh, you know, we could... Yes. Uh, we, we, we could paint maybe rather than, you know, we could just train them to copy the ants. Maybe sure. we could even just train some ants to go and to go to that. No, wait, the plucky say, miners like, that's, were that's Armageddon, right? Yes. Yeah. But then that Deep Impact was Ed Harris. Yes, and Morgan Freeman. And no. The, uh, the, yes. But it was like proper yep. astronauts, though. It was like Elijah a nuclear Wood. astronaut. 
Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. They were real astronauts that went up there. Okay. And one of them they looks to at the too bright light, and he has the he gets right. Yeah. Was, they weren't like weirdly libertarian miners. Right. Was it Aaron Eckert? Or am I thinking of <laughs> no? Uh, it's the, no. Who went to space in that one? I forgot about the. I forgot there were astronauts in that one. They were unsuccessful uh, in Deep Impact because it still hit. Right. So you say there's the first one, one like bumping one off course, but the right. smaller asteroid still comes. Oh, they, through. The, they had to sacrifice themselves in the end to blow up the big asteroid uh. in its twin Armageddon, the uh, which is, of course, a Michael Bay picture. So everything's just loud. Uh, they uh, win against the asteroid. Bruce Willis is is de- he defeats the asteroid with its powerful drill. Yeah. Uh, but which Deep Impact the one where they just. The... Sorry, Caitlin. No, it's the one where the the uh, you get to see the 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 asteroid actually hit. It has the the impact. Uh, which one's the one where they where they just befriend the asteroid and find out? I'm that... still waiting for that one. Mac and yeah. me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where they find out that the asteroid actually didn't mean us any harm and it was just misunderstood. As most asteroids don't. I mean, I can't assign too much malice to an asteroid. It's just it's just doing what asteroids do. Yeah. It's just doing his asteroid thing. Oh, by the way, did you guys I mean, get a chance? yeah, they're not after us. Yeah. Did you guys get a chance to see any of the Perseids at your various locales? And, uh, I, I, this, it, I, I didn't even look. I, I didn't even try to look out this time. Oh. By the time I realized that the moon was too bright, uh, which was another show in and of itself. But it was a lovely moon, this particular lunar cycle. So I wasn't too, bad about miss, too mad about missing out on the, on the I, shower. I'm mooned out. I'm over moons. They do. They're kind of a buzzkill when you're trying to look at stars. Yeah, it's too many know. moons. We've you got still got moons. moon. I, apparently, I'm just on the other foot for every issue on this pot. I'm pro moon. <laughs> I maintain <laughs> my pro moon, moon status. That's okay. I think it is lovely to look at. I think you lose some stars, sure, but you gain some beautiful light. You can't night. I mean, it has some trade-offs. I'll take it. I like. I just enjoy a night out in a full moon. Hey, if you're, if you're into, if you're into the moon, I'm not gonna, I'm I'm I, I think that's perfectly fine. It's not my thing, but. Yeah, never interrupt a woman I, with know, the moon. I, not I, interrupt, I but have... never come for a woman with the moon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a special relationship that, that nobody should tear us under. <laughs> it's controlling that, forces uh... that I cannot. So I'm at its mercy. It's best that I not d- denigrate it in any way. Lest I, I am, you know, rendered with horrible pains this particular month. How'd we get onto the moon? I, Sorry, uh, boys, had to go that pee. was just for the ladies <laughs> who are also under the influence of the moon. They know what I'm talking about. Yeah. We can't talk. We can't yeah, talk. Caitlin yeah. was just having some moon, moon time. On. And that's just yeah. something that we, we so, can't understand, but we'll just. Okay. I'm pretty sure. We have no get it. And that's a pretty Move good, it. probably science topic to delve, delve into sometime is discovering your own cycle. Because, boys, you're not immune. It's not just us ladies. We have more obvious signs, and it's more part of the the discussion culturally. But as far as I know, you boys still have cycles of like sure. If they're what? uh, Here's my advice: if you want to figure out your cycle, just look for the week you make the most online shopping purchases, and then you can kind of figure out your lunar calendar (laughs) around that. But Mm, I'm pretty sure that the same forces affect men, just with different uh, different physical results. All right, real Tom Robbins vibe. I'm pretty sure that's uh, not just on. something insane women have told me over the years. I think that's something that sane women have said, and it's actually true. No, no, I, I, uh, I buy that. I, it's, it's weird. The lunar uh, cycle. Now I'm asking the gods. You don't have to indulge this. I'm no, the curious. lunar. It's called lunar, uh, lunarception, right? That's a, that's a thing. Um, 
Yeah, it affects your testosterone level and your stress hormone cortisol in your blood. Uh, So you have a hormonal monthly cycle the same as ladies do. You can suffer from disrupted sleep and greater stress with every full moon, Mm -hmm. uh, but it does indeed have a similar cycle. So uh, remember, fellas, treat yourself nice because that 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 moon has a it has an effect on you too. It's not just the ladies in your life. So so we could say you find yourself weeping into a box of chocolates. Just let it happen. You'll be fine next week. You'll be all right. Wait, I missed. What was the actual thing that changes with men in this thing? So uh, lunar cycle in men affects levels of testosterone, and oh. it affects the stress hormone cortisol. Uh, so that you, there is a hormonal monthly cycle that men also experience, and around full moons, men can suffer from disrupted sleep and greater sl- stress. Um, I feel like there could be different biological evolutionary reasons why that must might be, but I think the measurement of testosterone and cortisol is pretty good evidence that boys live with the moon and the tides just as the ladies do. Yeah. Right? It's it's very strange because so I, watch out, werewolves. Every it uh it comes for us all. I'll 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 tell you something. Every single part of me wants to reject all of that as pseudoscience until let me let me say this. Um, working at a hospital, it, uh, and I always thought it was a conversation by mentioning periods. It happened. No, 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 not at all. No, not at all. Um, I uh, it it really is full moon nights are really are crazy. Like they like extra staff for them and stuff. Uh, and I always thought that was like bullshit. Like when he, when you'd overhear that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it really is like the ER is nuts. Like people are crazy. And I don't know. It's it's very it's very weird. I would love to see proper like you know, some uh, research into all into what's going on. What's going on with this moon? You know, it's too many of them. That's that's all I say. It's too many of them. Too many. Yeah. Moons. Yeah. Um, anyway, we should we should wrap this up. We should we should bring this to a close. Where and uh, Caitlin, as our yes. guest, where can our listeners find you? And apart from in the desert. Uh, you can find me at Robot Caitlin on Twitter, or you can go grab a T-shirt at GuaranteeShirts.com. Um, GuaranteeShirts.com. I, I think they're pretty cool. So if you want one, go grab one. You should definitely Gu- do that. And you now can- is that is that Guarantee Shirts with the full T E E spelled, or the letter T or the phonetic T E E? Right. T E Guarantee as in T. Okay. Guarantee Shirts. Let me. I can't spell Guarantee out loud. Um. Which oh, wait, oh, wait, the word a, guarantee. Oh, yeah. shirts. G-U-A-R-A-N-T-E-E-S-H-I-R-T-S, guaranteeshirts.com. As it should be. An insufferable pun that I suffer every day because I love it. <laughs> no, I've, I'm popping over there right now. These are very cool uh, These are very cool shirts. I'm checking this out. Um, what have you got coming up, Jesse? Where can, I, where can the listeners find you? Oh, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter um, just go there and then I'll tell you about stuff. I'm, do- I'm not doing much. I'm, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm being overcautious, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not like doing the road or anything like I haven't set stuff up. I don't know. I, I was on the road, but I'm, I'm taking a step back from it for a little bit. And I'm just yeah, I'm just things... I'm just kind of stepping, stepping back. Like I did a few sets, uh, you know, earlier in the summer. And then it was like, eh, it's just stuff's getting weird. You know, I will say, well, we're plugging stuff, though. The I mentioned this last week as well, but on Roku now, Roku has picked up the show that I worked on for Quibi originally. And then Quibi disappeared. But now you can watch Memory Hole on Roku for free. All the episodes are up there. 
I believe you have to be in the United States or have the ability to make a website think that your computer is in the United States oh. <laughs> and uh, to watch it. But I would I would love it if you could watch it. There are there are seven short episodes. They're all mini episodes around seven or eight minutes long. But you There's don't have to own a Roku set-top box, I'm assuming. You do not. I thought that okay. was the case, but actually now it's on Roku's website, roku.com. And, that and we'll put a link to that. Membership. And then also Guilty Treasures is yes, coming up. Friday, Brian Cook and I are doing Guilty Treasure at Permanent Records Roadhouse over in Frogtown. Uh, we have David Wayne, um, Lorraine Newman, Langston Kerman. It's an insane lineup. Albert Hickman, this incredible... LA-based country singer. Uh, everyone's singing bad songs that they love anyway. We're, our band's backing them up, and we've got some real clunkers. It's our first Creed coming up on Friday. So <laughs> Ooh, coming out it's for a great show. Billy Joel and some Creed, and um, yes, it should be what was fun. What was your song, Caitlin? You've done it, right? Uh, I did Hard to Handle. Oh, that was uh, great. But yeah. the Grateful Dead version of Hard to Handle. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. I am a uh, terrifying singer, and I am terrified of doing it. It does. So I much appre- the appreciated the support of the band. It was definitely fantasy fulfillment. Um, I I'm <laughs> letting you know that I'm ordering of, life of, of rock star life for me. <laughs> I'm I'm just letting you know uh, that I'm ordering no bras thrown on stage though. <laughs> I'm ordering a Judy Dench hoodie. You're ordering a Judy I, Dench. Uh, oh yes, you're looking at GuaranteesShirts.com right now. Yeah, yeah. I must have one. Oh uh, yes. I have to have one. <laughs> yeah, that's a favorite. Also, the Best Actress winners that include Double McDormand's is pretty great. Yeah, the Double McDormand's is also uh, a big hit. But has she won three? Did we talk about this? I forgot that she... Just two, right? Or did she win for Fargo? I feel like she might have, but before... I only have the five years from 2016 to 2021 represented on that particular tee. Yeah. I was just rewatching Miller's Crossing. She's in that in a small part. Makes sense. Coen Brothers, but... These are some good t-shirts, Caitlin. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. So yeah, guaranteesshirts.com. We'll put a link to that for sure. Yeah. And uh, you can find us, as always, uh, probablyscience.com, at probablyscience on Twitter, at Andy T. Wood, at Jesse Case, and at Matt Kirshen are the individual ones, and at Robot Caitlin for our guest, who is not a robot, but plays one on the internet. She can pass the Turing uh, yeah, test. Yeah, I'm not a robot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. ProbablyScience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you would like us to cover. As always, um, and also you can find our Patreon and PayPal links at ProbablyScience.com, as well as links to all the stories we talk about and cover on the show. Thank you so much for joining us, Caitlin. Yeah. A and pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. Listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, thanks, Caitlin. See you, See you guys later. Bye. Bye.